Welcome to the 6am Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6am Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the 6AM Run Podcast. I am your host, as you know, Mark Paisant. Have a good show, have a unique show. I think this is a great space to be in. Um, I know a lot of the times I say we have a great show and all that good stuff, but I, you know, when I find unique guests that are in kind of a niche space, I kind of like to really emphasize how, how good of a show I believe this is going to be. But before we get started with Philip. This show is brought to you by 6AM Run, 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website. A lot of great stuff being dropped now to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So Philip Pape is our guest today, P-A-P-E, in case you're looking him up. Philip, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go and just introduce yourself for our audience? Mark, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm so I'm a certified nutrition coach my company is called Wits and Weights, and it's also the name of my podcast. And and I start there because the rest of the story leads up to that um, that point. Uh, most of my life, I was not very athletic, uh, not athletic at all. I didn't play sports. Uh, I grew up in a typical household where we we ate a lot of junk food. I was a picky kid, uh, and I wasn't uh, exposed to lifting or. Uh, athletics of any kind. And then this carried on through college. I went to college for engineering. In fact, I was a software engineer early in my career, which eventually led to being in engineering management, which was sort of my full-time day job until recently. And uh, throughout my 20s, like, like a lot of people, I struggled with my weight, with what to eat, with how to work out, and you know, I was on the dating scene and it was a body image issue for me. Uh, didn't feel comfortable taking my shirt off. You know, I was just kind of the, the chubby kid, skinny fat guy, you know, kind of uh, oscillated between those two extremes. And fortunately, I met my wife. She accepted me for who I was. And, you know, we got married, eventually had a couple kids. But it wasn't until my 30s that I started to get more serious about my fitness because as we get older and get so-called wiser, uh, we realize that, you know, life is staring us down and, and we have responsibilities, but we also have our health. We also have our family. We have other people who are looking out who are um, depending on us. So when I was 30, I decided I'm going to join the CrossFit craze. That's going to solve all my problems, right, Mark? Okay. I'm um, not I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, because of the whole the running context related to this show, and I know it's not just about that, I did do a lot of running for a period, uh, even training for half marathons at one point, doing obstacle course races. Uh, I'm not a huge uh, fan of running in terms of for my enjoyment, but I did like the athleticism of you know, conditioning, and I like sprinting, and I loved the uh, competition of, of those races. But over that eight-year period that I was doing CrossFit and not having a clue how to eat, 
I tried intermittent fasting. I tried keto and paleo and all of that. Uh, I still was not happy with where I was performance wise, uh, physique wise, and even health wise. I started to see throughout my thirties, my blood pressure going up and my resting heart rate going up, you know, getting more out of breath, things like that, even though I'm doing CrossFit. So, uh, 40, uh, 39 years old, 2019, right before the pandemic, I decided to finally figure out what I needed to do. Okay. And my coach at the time who ran the CrossFit gym, which eventually evolved into a strength and conditioning facility, he said, man, you just have to get stronger. You just have to get stronger. That's where it's at. And I didn't quite believe him because I didn't get that, uh, lifting heavy weights and taking a lot of rest and not doing cardio was going to do it for me. Because you know, I thought it was in, you know, moving a lot and cutting your calories. So I started a strength-based program in late 2019, doing the big lift, squat, deadlift, press, things like that, and uh, started to dive into the world of strength training and evidence-based fitness and the podcasts and books and so on. But then the pandemic came, the lockdowns came, and I lost access to the gym, like many of us did, right? So I could have given up. Uh, my coach wrote for me some body body weight programs that I did at home, but uh, I went and out. I went out and hustled, and I found a, a rack, and I found a barbell, and some plates, and you know it was tough, man, during the pandemic with the supply chain issues. Uh, but I went ahead and and continued to focus. Now during this time, I was getting bigger and stronger, and I was trying to fuel that with food, but I didn't know how to control my diet. So. I got bigger and heavier and bigger and heavier, also built some muscle. And I was like, ah, this is still not where I want to be. So then I started to learn about nutrition, started to dive in to guys like Lane Norton and Alan Aragon, uh, the muscle and strength pyramids, a whole bunch of resources I could, I could share. And I came across the concept of flexible dieting, which effectively is tracking your food, but then choosing what you want to eat. Right. It's a very simple concept, but many of us, I think, are repelled by the idea of tracking, as was I. It seemed very inconvenient. I started to do it though. And I all of a sudden became extremely aware of my eating habits, how much protein I had and so on, combined with the education and knowledge that I now try to share on podcasts of what is the right thing to do? Because that's often the missing piece. Like, what do you do? Um, and I, this led to my first physical transformation I ever went through at the age of 40. And I think this is important because the excitement I had of finally making choices that led to a result as opposed to making choices that didn't lead to a result. You know, I was always a kind of a go-getter who took control and like took action, but it was always the wrong thing when it came to fitness and health. So here I am getting a result for the first time. And of course, I love to talk, as you can tell right now by my uh, record setting opening. And I started a podcast <laughs> to share my information um, in late 2021. And then serendipitously that led to relationships with great people, just like you, Mark, I'm sure you've met a lot of folks through podcasting, uh, one of who, whom was a power lifter who became my first coaching client, my first nutrition coaching client. And then that led me to get certified. And this became a big substantial side hustle of mine in addition to my engineering career of helping people improve their body. So I hope that wasn't too long there. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Because, you know, the whole time you're talking, I'm thinking that, you, you know, at, at, at no point is your story unique However, it is unique to you mm. because what you're saying the, about the, the food choices in your 20s, about that little bit of anxiety about the dating scene in your 20s, about really not knowing about nutri like, hey, I'm getting in the gym. Hey, I'm running. Hey, I'm crossfitting. But let's go grab some burgers and a beer afterwards. This, should, this is mm -hmm. energy. I need it. Like, right. And 
And the reason I say that is because I went through a lot of those things. I am going <laughs> through a lot of those things myself. And, and um, I, I talk all the time how I believe running saved my life. It, 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 mm -hmm. it helped me shed a lot of weight. But I remember getting down to a um, kind of a, a really thin version of myself and thinking, I just, no, this isn't, like, I don't want to look like this either. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, let me get to the gym. And then I remember bulking and thinking, okay, this, I, I don't want to look like this either. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it wasn't, and, and, and I've, in the last year, I've become a, a, a CPT and a nutritionist also. And mm -hmm. the knowledge you gain, especially, and I tell people all the time, and I, I really want you to speak on this because I, you know, I believe the most important part of, of this whole process is connecting that mind body state. I believe that is important and getting that mindset correct. However, people seem to forget how important nutrition is mm -hmm. and how important the food you put in your body is because I don't know why it is. People kind of put that last. People kind of put, they'll put the rest and the food last. But kind of talk about those two parts of this process for you and how and why they're so important. Yeah, it's true. I think people, you know, you've heard you can't, you can't outrun a bad diet mm -hmm. and concepts like that where activity is given a lot of weight in, in our world, even when people aren't necessarily doing the most effective activity for them. Oftentimes it is some, some excessive form of cardio, right? And, and they get results that don't quite match what they think they're supposed to get. And you can look at the dichotomy between say sprinters and marathon runners and draw some conclusions there potentially. Um, but you know, we, we have to periodize how we approach our body, our training, our mind, our relationships and our food. I think everything in life holistically goes through seasons and goes through periods. And we either, a lot of people either live in a cloud of uncertainty and they're like, okay, before long, I'm just too heavy and now I need to do something. And they go to some opposite extreme, you know, of like cutting food. Um, or they try to go in one mode for too long. They try to go in, into a, I'm going to just cut, I'm going to cut calories. It's a way to do it. I'm going to go on that for a long time. Or I, I feel like I'm, you're talking yeah, about me yeah. right now. I feel like you're specifically <laughs> you talking about it's me. It's so many people, Mark. It's so many people, right? And, and you mentioned the, the maybe lack of focus on nutrition and, and it's more on other things. Some people are like, I'm just going to train, train, train till, till I can't train anymore. I'm going to get sore. I'm going to bring my heart rate up. I'm going to destroy myself you know you get these terms like oh i was destroyed in the gym you know this is must be effective and thinking that that's going to do it um and i don't know if people are just afraid of the hard work that it takes with your diet or if it's a lack of awareness it's maybe a little both right it's a little both because even when you learn what to do doing it is is a little bit of hard work at first to get there um so talking about periodization where, where i'm going with that is if we could identify a goal for the next three, six months and then focus on that goal, and that might be building muscle, our food choices are going to fuel that and should be directed toward that goal. It's not about eating good or bad, clean or dirty, whole or processed. It's about what serves your goal. And what, what's nice about this is you can break it down into say four months from now, I want to build, you know, five, I want to add 10 pounds of weight and build some muscle. Okay, I need a certain amount of calories and protein to do that. And now that's going to drive me to pick, you know, lean meats and animal sources for my protein or dairy or plant sources. And all of a sudden you're saying, I need fiber, I need water, I need protein. And it directs your choices rather than don't eat this or don't eat that. Right. So I don't know if that answers your question, Mark, but. No, but it's, it, it does answer my question. And it's a great segue into something that you talk about a lot. And it's, it's 
like not limiting yourself in the, the type of foods that you eat because you're absolutely right. Someone will get into a place where either they look in that mirror one day and they're like, okay, this, I, I got to stop this. Or they may go to a doctor's visit and say, you know what, we got to do something about this cholesterol or about this blood pressure or about your pre-diabetic. And, and all of a sudden that, you know, they hear one word and like, okay, I'm cutting every bit of sugar, <laughs> yeah. every bit of salt, every car I'm cutting <clears throat> everything out of my life right now. Right. And you kind of teach like that's one that might not be the healthiest thing. And two, that's not the point of all this. We can mm -hmm. uh, we can get through this and you can still enjoy the foods that you want to. So kind of talk about that and how you allow people to to know that food is not bad. It's fuel. We need it. And how can they kind of change or reframe their thinking on that? Oh, you hit it on the head with the reframing. When you when somebody thinks of food as good or bad, um, I think Alan Aragon called it a straining the moral conscience. Like you're actually making it a moral decision. And because it's a moral decision, you're making it about you. And you're saying that you are good or bad when you choose these foods. Um, there have been studies since the 90s that compare rigid dietary approaches to flexible approaches. And just to define that for a second, rigid means... There are rules and there are things you can and can't have. And this might be in the context of a diet like keto that says you can't eat carbs or in the context of, of a meal plan. Um, and I know you're a nutritionist and there's, there's a place for meal plans. But when it's like, here's exactly what you eat in these amounts forever, people can't do that. That's just not, <laughs> that doesn't jive with you, uh, being a human. Um, and on the other hand, a flexible approach is we're going to set some targets for, for energy and for macronutrients, but then you're going to choose the food. And they found time and time again that the rigid approach led to an inability to maintain your weight, an increase in your body weight, and an increase in negative health markers, and also a lack of control. So the control of this rigidity causes a lack of control because you end up binging. Like you said, you cut out salt or you cut out you know, fat or carbs, and your, your body's just going to crave that so much, the temptation is going to be overwhelming. So... <laughs> So the other approach that I like with clients, and this works whether you're building, maintaining, or losing fat, it gets a little bit more challenging when you're losing fat because calories are lower, but it's let's, let's eat 10 to 20% of our calories, let's devote that to whatever you want. And then the rest, let's, let's be a little more, let's use a little more restraint and eat whole foods. Now, I don't say it that way. What I say is, huh, uh, you've got 60 grams of protein and really we need 140 based on what we're trying to accomplish. So how are we going to do that? Uh, and I want the client to kind of figure that out with me. And oftentimes they come up with a solution, but if, if not, I'm there with, you know, my list of high protein sources and such. And they're like, wow, I have to go to the grocery store and I need all this protein. Well, I can't be getting bags of popcorn. I can't be getting, you know, pizza because these don't have enough protein, but I could get uh, some great Greek yogurt or cottage cheese mm -hmm. and I could buy eggs and I could buy beans or oats. And you start to like change your decision-making process to serve the goal rather than uh, what some guideline has for you. Now, once you do all that and come Saturday night and you're saying, huh, I still have a little room for some fats and carbs and maybe even I want to have a glass of wine and it all fits in there, enjoy it. That's what I like to say. So that's the sustainable approach we're talking about. And and I love that. And again, you're, I feel like you're just, just reading into my history when it comes to, to things like that because you know learning in and i'll be honest with you like i i, I got the the certifications uh, you know to help people 
but also I wanted to learn myself. And, and once you mm -hmm. learn about the macro and micronutrients and, and what, how the body acts, like the body needs carbohydrates, like the body needs fat, mm -hmm. like the body needs those things. And, and for some, when I hear people say, I'm, I'm cutting out all the fat or I'm cutting out all my, all your carbs. And you're like, well, there's organs in your body that literally need those things. Um, and then, but you, but there is a part of this that people need to know that as a, as a society, we're not getting enough fiber in our diet. Like right. we don't get enough magnesium in our diet. We're not getting enough vitamin D in our diet. There are things that people need to focus on. And you brought up a great point with the protein. And again, I think you've probably been, you know, eavesdropping in my house because <laughs> when I started all this, and I'm 6'5", 235, and okay. All right. I was, uh, I'm embarrassed to say it. I was I was in taking about 75 grams of protein a day. Sure, yeah, it's not and, uncommon. <laughs> and and one of my buddies, I was like, man, I just you know I started this and I'm, I'm feeling good, but it's just like nothing is is really changing. He's like, you might want to do a calculator and see how much protein mm -hmm. you should be getting. And I did it, and I was like, in like, oh my, I'm getting less than half of the protein that, that I need to be yeah, getting. Yeah, you need day. like 200. I yeah. need 200. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, you know, with the work that you do, I, I think a lot of people, because I'm, I'm in my 40s also, about to be 44 next next week, and, and you know, a lot of people see that 3-0 or that see that 4-0, and they think, well, this is, uh, this is my life. This is it. There's nothing I can mm. do about it. When you get that, that client, it doesn't even have to be a client. It could be a friend could be an acquaintance could be somebody you meet at the store that says oh you're a trainer I, 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 I was going to go to the gym but I turned uh, 50 last week and it's like like what are the things you tell them about their age and about the ability to still get that body or live that life they want to live mm. oh that's so that's so good Mark because first of all I'm not going to just explain to some random person in a grocery right. store you know <laughs> unless they ask me it and also many of my clients are they have a baseline level of knowledge, I'll say, because I'm a big fan of community and education. And for me, like, I don't even want to work with you until you've learned the basics and I want to help teach you the basics, right? But those basics come down to our body composition and muscle, muscle mass. In my opinion, that is the huge missing ingredient with most people. Okay. We all focus on the scale. Very few people focus on their body composition. Well, even if you're 70 years old and you've been sedentary your entire life, meaning you've had a significant loss in muscle mass, this is a fact. This is why our metabolism slowed down with age, not because we're old, not because of some mysterious process going on. It's because our muscles have atrophied because we're not using them. Our body says, you don't need these muscles, so every time you eat food, protein, whatever, we're not going to even prioritize, and rebuilding, prioritize rebuilding those muscles. But just, just like you made the choice not to give those muscles attention, you could do the opposite now and give them attention. And you do that with strength training, with putting load on your body through, you know, through, uh, through lifting weights and with consuming sufficient protein. And, and that right there, that's 80% of it. 80 to 90% of it will get, even if you're overeating, undereating, whatever, that'll get you a significant portion of the way there. And when you're 70 and you've never done it before and you start training, you could actually rebuild muscle that you've lost and you can turn back the clock 10, even 20 years over the next several years. So that, that's kind of where I would start is muscle and body composition. And I think you're absolutely correct. That is so, I mean, I don't think people really, I'm not going to generalize, but a lot of people don't understand <laughs> how important 
building muscles and how as, as especially yeah. as we get older and you know the, the the building blocks of proteins amino acids all that good stuff we could get technical but we're not going to do that that's <laughs> that that's that's for you and your coach to do when you decide <laughs> to get a coach but one thing we can kind of I don't want to say dumb it down, but put it in layman's terms. You talked about getting into the gym and starting this strength training program. And, and some people just don't know where to start. Right. And, you know, I remember my first few times at the gym where it's like, okay, I know the bench press machine. I know the squat rack. I know the barbells. And all right, I'll do those three things and I'll get out of here. And a lot of people kind of have that fear of going into the gym and to say it just outright, they don't want to look dumb. They don't want to look they haven't, right. like they haven't been there. Um, and that's a sad part of, of training in, in, in the society we live in now where if you go to a gym and you're out of shape trying to take care of your life, it's not that that's people... It's a big irony, yeah, right? Exactly, yeah. correct. Yeah. Like, why, like that's yeah. the person we should be celebrating. Yes. And, but my... my my thought, you know, my, my, what I did is, is I went and got a, a trainer. That's what I did. I mm -hmm. wanted to make sure I knew. And, and now my, you know, my sister is doing the same thing and she's using me as her trainer and, and she's, she wants to learn. But for that person that says, okay, I want to get the gym membership. I want to go in two to three times a week. I just want to make sure I know what I'm doing and let's be honest, not injure ourselves at the same time. So, I mean, there is YouTube <clears throat> university, but I want to tell people right now, be very careful with what you find online, like be very careful. But for that person, Philip, like how do you, what do you tell them about that first few times into a gym and, and the weight program they use? Yeah, I, to I totally agree that when you first get started, if you're going to do barbell training, which again, in my opinion is, is I'll say the most effective or the most time efficient, effective way to get into it. Uh, if you have a choice, not everybody does. Some people don't have access to equipment or the gym, or they only have dumbbells. Sometimes those are excuses too. And I've had clients mm -hmm. and we're like, yep. look, just, just buy a, a rack and barbell for your house. You've got mm -hmm. the space, you've got the money, do it, please do it. You're going to thank me that you did that. But, um, even I, when I was learning the, the lifts properly about four years ago, uh, I spent quite a, quite a while spinning my wheels and probably, increasing my risk of injury because I didn't work with a coach just even once um, during that time. I took videos. I, I did form checks online. It's still not enough until you have somebody looking at you either in person or through a video. That's okay. In the online world, we could do it. That says, hey, you know, here, change your grip like this. Use this cue. You're not getting to depth, blah, blah, blah. And use these spotter arms because otherwise you're going to crush the bar on your neck. You know, like all these little things for the safety and for the form. And once you get that, then you can just progress the load, progress the weight and get really strong really fast. So make the investment, even if it's one hour with one coach and say, look, I want to I want to perfect my squat and my deadlift. Show me how. Yeah, that is you bring up a great point because I think a lot of people and you've probably seen this will think this takes a lot of time. And I'll be honest with you, like it's the time investment is not that much, but you do have to be patient. Like you're not going to go to the gym for a month and see, you know, uh, your six pack abs, just like that. That's not going to happen. I think one of the greatest things about any kind of fitness program, that is not a fad. That is not a fly by night program is that, that it delays that ability to see what's happening you have delayed gratification and it yeah. teaches you patience and 
If you're a person right now and you have so many people telling you like you're impatient, you can't wait for things, like you have that, that's that's part of your psyche, like start a fitness program and, you know, wait for those results or, or go get those results. So, oh, Mark, um, I got I to answer that because you just you just struck me like deep in my mm-hmm. my psyche because I'm the most impatient person yeah. I know. And yet I feel like I've become a lot more patient. And I mm-hmm. wonder if it's because of the training. You know, you make a great point. I often talk about mm-hmm. the mental resilience that comes mm-hmm. from training if you do it the right way. And in fact, some people don't like, some people say they don't like lifting weights. Mm-hmm. And when I dig into their programming, there's reasons why. Like yep. often it's because they're doing lightweights, a lot of reps, and it's just like, right. it's, it's oh, like yeah. doing a cardio workout. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you know, most people don't like that. Um, but if you slow it down, if you go really heavy and you do low reps, I found so many people who thought they'd never get into that. And within a week, they're just, oh, my squat PR went up and and they get so passionate about it because you get under this bar that seems like, you know, there's no way you could lift it. You do it and you, you go to the gym the next time and you know that you can lift at least that much. That is a fact. Like you are going to get stronger unless you're severely underfed or, or not getting sleep or something like that. And you're like, well, I lifted 95, so now I'm going to lift 100. And you keep doing that every session. At some point, you get to a mental block. You're like, 135, wow, I've got the big plates on now. There's no way I can do that. But it's like, you've done it, and it's only a small change from the last time. So get under the bar and do it. Even if you feel like crap that day, if you feel sluggish, if you don't feel strong, chances are you're still going to be able to bang those reps out. And that creates some sort of mental toughness. Yeah, I mean, they have those two and a half and five pound plates for a reason. Like they have them for a reason. <laughs> those, those are not, I mean, those are not kitty plates. Those are plates for help people to track their progress. And I, and I, I love those plates, especially on, on squats and deadlifts. Like mm-hmm. those are like once I, you know, you, you go from, you know, 335 to 345, you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting stronger, you know, and, and I, I think that's a good thing. And, and you want here's the thing as as a coach and as a person who lives in this this arena and lives here you want people to feel that like you want people to, like you love seeing the progress yes. like you yes. as a coach like this is what they're paying <laughs> like you but at the same time it's like i want them to see this like i want them to feel this like cuz so many times you know i we hear people say the words oh i i can't i can't do that mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I don't even want to do that. Like, can we just focus on like, I, I, I appreciate it, but I can't do that. And then 30 days later, guess what they're doing? They're mm-hmm. doing it. So that I mean, I want you to t- talk about that part of your job and how that makes you feel to see that person who may have, you know, said those words, I can't. And you didn't prove them wrong, but they proved themselves right. I live for it every day. <laughs> I mean, I live not only not only that in, in a vacuum, but relative to how they used to think about everything. So they might have come to me really focused on the scale and how much they weigh. Ah, yes. And now they're focused on their PRs, on, you know, on their press and their bench and their squat. And the fact that they went to the gym and the fact that they slept and ate and recovered. Mm. And hey, I got all my carbs because that fuels my recovery and fuels my training. And because I did that, I lifted more this week. Mm. Right. So it, 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 if I'm not getting that from a client, I feel disappointed. Like I'm letting them down. Right. Cause I, I want to see that. And then once they get through that mental barrier of focusing not on the scale, but on their performance and getting and building 
right? And fueling and being a human. Like, think about it. this is a this is being a human being in on the earth. Like, we have to interact with stuff, and we have to interact with people, and lift things, and get off the toilet, and whatever it is, at whatever age you are. That's what being a human is. And that physical health leads to the emotional health we're talking about. And all of that feeds itself like a wonderful spiral. Um, then once you do that, we may say, okay, now you want to lose a little fat and see the six pack. That's actually going to be pretty easily compa- compared to what you just went through. Like we just have to dial back some calories, be a little consistent, and we're going to get there. But it's that first thirst barrier that's very uh, exciting. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things in... in- that you probably have to at least talk about often is those people who just just making sure people understand the process because a lot of a lot of people and I have come to me and say hey I just want to turn my my fat into muscle and mm-hmm. it's like well you'd be the first to do that physically impossible but like how do you because I I might be asking mm-hmm. for, for for me now personal yeah. reasons uh, personal it's reasons okay. now but <laughs> You know, how do you talk to that person who, like, they have it in their head that they they want to get to the moon tomorrow, and it's like you haven't even built a spaceship. It's like, you know, I I, I have this uh, little bit of fat around here and here and here. I just mm-hmm. want to turn that into muscle. Like, at no point does a coach want to make somebody. Like, I would not speak to somebody like I just did. I would not do that. Sure, you don't. But, little, but exactly. But yeah. how do you yeah. use that bit of empathy? and kind of help that person to actually know what the process is. I mean, that really starts from the very beginning of the relationship, which for me with most clients is well before they're even thinking of being a client, right? This might be through the podcast, through our Facebook community and through conversations, because I want you to have an understanding that this is a slightly longer term process. It does take patience, but it's actually a lot shorter than you, than you think to be effective. Meaning you've been spinning your wheels for 20, 30 years with yo-yo diets and and just ineffective training programs. I'm asking you for six months to do it right for the first time in your life and get incredible results. So when you kind of put it in that context, six months is really nothing. And it's the let's do it right. Let's do it right. Mm -hmm. Let's do it the right way. Because then when we're done, I want you to fire me and have the confidence you can do this for the rest of your life and maybe even teach other people how to do it because you're so excited that it works. So that's kind of where I come from, Mark. I, I love it. Yeah. And and let's kind of shift over to, to the website and to the, the program, Wits and Weights. And it's over at witsandweights.com. And it's spelled just like you believe it's spelled W-I-T-S-A-N-D-Weights.com. So you can go over there and sign up for, subscribe to a newsletter, one-on-one coaching, his community, see the pod, listen to the podcast there. Kind of talk about how Wits and Weights was started and what was the genesis of it and what can people expect if they were to sign up with you. Yeah, it started as the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I know, and that's maybe a less common story, right? A lot of times people create a podcast maybe to market their business. For me, it was a passion project. It started as a podcast. I wanted, I walked through everybody through the foundations of primarily strength training at the time, and then eventually encompassed nutrition. Um, and then that ties into our community. So it's all about this sustainable approach to fitness and nutrition where strength and nutrition converge. I, I truly believe that strength and muscle mass are, are required. Like they are required. Even if you are a runner, even if you're an endurance athlete, they're the foundation of all our f- physical attributes and they make all of this other stuff easier. So if a client comes to me, if you want to work with me, it's generally six months. Sometimes it's 12. If you're, if you want to go through the entire periodization phase of building muscle and losing fat, but usually six months is a good amount of time where the first, uh, we'll call it eight to 10 weeks, 
is like a pre-diet maintenance phase where we get your movement up, we get your training and the right uh, effective program for you. We work on your nutrition, your protein, your tracking, and so on. Other things like hydration, sleep, stress, whatever the client needs. Then after that period, we're using a really good metabolic situation where your metabolism is as healthy as it can be. Your hormones are regulated, okay? Especially ladies who are listening, like there's a lot of this that can be, uh, I don't wanna say fixed, but issues you might have that express themselves as like hypothyroidism and other things often come down to just proper nutrition and carbs and, and movement. Once we set that up, then we can go for the goal. Now, what's funny, Mark, is most people come to me wanting to lose weight. Mm. I would say 80% of the time, they end up changing that goal after the first few weeks to maintaining and body recomposition. So they we, we kind of maintain their weight while they build muscle and lose fat at the same time, which guess what that's doing? You're effectively turning the fat into muscle, <laughs> yeah, <effectively>, okay? Yes. <laughs> but you're just doing them in two separate uh, transactions at the same time. Um, and, and what all then happens is the waist size goes down. They start feeling great in their clothes. The confidence comes back and you're now walking around this earth at the same weight, but feeling leaner, lighter, stronger, performing better. And then the mindset shifts toward, well, maybe the weight on the scale isn't where I think it needs to be anymore. So, um, and for the clients that don't do that, I have other clients that switched doing muscle building. So now they're, I've had clients who said they had to lose 20 pounds and all of a sudden I have them gaining weight. You might be listening thinking, what? No way. That would never happen. And and their lifts just go way up. They pack on so much muscle. And then we can go to a fat loss phase later and get that done relatively fast and quickly at higher calories, yeah. right? So eating more food. Uh, finally, and this is important, Mark, we take them out of that, whatever goal that is, to a sustainable level of maintenance. And we learn how to maintain our weight for the rest of our lives if need be. So that's the general process. That is such a, a great point at the end. And I, I meant to mention this early. If, if guys, if, if Philip sounds better than I do on, he definitely is a podcast host. He's got the acoustic foam and everything. He sounds great. <laughs> so I just, I meant to mention that earlier, but, um, but you bring up such a, a great part of this process that a lot of people don't understand or fail to realize at the beginning. Like it, it, if you're, I want to say two things. One, if you're a runner, and you're struggling with your runs, take some time off, strengthen the core, strengthen, you know, do some strength training. The best runs I've had in my life have been in the last year because I focused on the strength training. Like I'm, like I said, 235, I've had better runs at 235 than I did at 220 or 215. And like, I don't, I know people aren't going to believe me. I don't get tired. My legs don't get tired on my runs right now. Like I might my lungs might be out, like I might get tired, but I always feel like I can go further and longer because I have that core and quad, hamstring, calf strength, all that good stuff. But the one thing that is so important to this, so I'm going to tell people, if you're going to get into any kind of program, understand that at there, you might end your work with your coach, but the point is to get you to a point where you're okay maintaining where you are. And you talked about yo-yo dieting. You talk, and that, I'll be honest with you, like that's that could be more detrimental than just keeping the weight on. Like going mm -hmm. from three hundred yes. to two ten to two seventy to one eighty. You know, having a high sugar content, low sugar, high fat, high, like doing that can really do a number on your heart. And your goal, of course, is not to keep these people as clients forever. Like you don't want that. Mm -hmm. Like you want them to succeed on their own. However, people have to leave with the tools 
and the mindset and the ability to maintain all the work that they've done. And I don't think a lot of people really understand how important that part is. You got it. I mean, I think that's core to being an ethical coach, you know, like I think it's part, part of my ethical philosophy that because I went through this myself and I only trust myself helping others because I have the tools and I want you to have those same tools. I don't want you to do something because I told you to. That's what, that's what too many destructive diets do, right? These 800 calorie diets that tell you not to move and stuff like that. Uh, just trust us. You get the results, by the way, pay for it, buy our product indefinitely. You know, so it's just a, it's a matter of ethics. And also you, you're going to, you're going to tell five friends about, <laughs> about me because it worked. And then you're going to be able to also help people in your life who may not be able to afford a coach. And I think that's part of this. That's part of the generosity and the, the movement, the impact that we make with others, just making more and more people healthy. So yeah, I think it's very important to be fully equipped and knowledgeable. Full, fully equipped and knowledgeable. And that's, you know, if you, I've talked about, you know, the mental health aspect of it and, and how I've, uh, you know, allowed a, ther- a therapist to help me. And, and I talked about my physical, you know, fitness and how I did the same thing. I got a coach. Like we, we, te- we seem to limit ourselves individually. We seem to put those, those blockers on those, we, and it, it's it's hard for us to tell ourselves one more rep when we're the only ones there. Mm. And I think there is a great space for for people like you that you have the empathy piece because you've been through it. You know, when someone has that look in their eye where they think I can't get through this or this is going to be my life forever. Like you 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 recognize that look. You recognize the words that people use. So, you know, before I let you go, there, there's people Again, we cater to a lot of runners. We cater to a lot of fitness people who like to stay in shape. But we also cater to people that may have fallen mm-hmm. off. Life has gotten away. Like no one is telling you that there's not a reason for where you're at today. We understand the nine to five. Got to get the kids to school. Got to take them to practice. You might coach one of them. By the time you look at the clock, it's 1030 and you haven't done anything for yourself. So when you have that person, when that person talks to you, and you see the distress in their eyes and you see the kind of complacency in their body language, how do you kind of just help them just to get them started? How are, what are some things that people can do? And yeah, we have the cliche, go get a gym membership, just go outside and walk. But what, what kind of work do you do to help that person know that they can get to where they want to be, even with a limited amount of time? Man, you're getting deep. You're getting deep here. This is good. Um, well, you know, we're definitely not at fault for many of the things that have happened to us, right? And we're and going forward, though, we are 100% responsible for what we can do. And there's always this cliche of, you know, motivation leads to action, leads to results. And, and I've said this on many other podcasts, but I prefer, to, I prefer to just take action, messy action, whatever you want to call it, take a step forward and do something that gives you results in that small win to then give you motivation to do it again and again. And that's where I think we can get very objective about this and say, take, take all the emotional trauma and all the real depth out of it there and just say, let's, let's use a system of tracking of awareness, right? Let's treat this like we would our money with our budget or our kids going to college or our retirement plan and just gather information about what's going on. The more information we have, like information is power. So the more information we have about our eating habits, 
how much we eat, what we eat, whether we train, how much water we drink, and so on. Starting with just one thing, it could be step count, right? If you don't even track your steps, how do you st- how do you walk more tomorrow, and how do you know you're walking more the next week after that? Like you said, don't just say the cliche of move more. I agree. Like get a wearable, track your steps, look at your phone, see what the number is, and set a new goal. And now do that and get the feedback. And as soon as you hit that goal for the next day or two, that's that's a win that feeds back into, okay, now I'm on a roll. Now let me build that. And you can layer on habits and stack things together. You can, you know, watch your Netflix while you're on your assault bike or whatever. (laughs) You better leave the assault bike out of this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like stack things. I listen to podcasts sometimes when I go for a walk. You know, not always because sometimes I just want to enjoy nature and de-stress too. Um, And that's really what it is. Like I don't, when we talk about emotional eating, right? We could get very complicated and say, we're going to go find the root cause and dig into the trauma. Or we can say, what triggers you to emotionally eat? Okay, let's look at that trigger and do something about that trigger going forward. It might be controlling your environment. It might be have a conversation with your roommate or spouse. It might be having a written down plan for what you do when X happens, right? It might be tracking your macros and knowing that doing that keeps you away from the trigger causing you to eat. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying, Mark? So it's all very objective, rational things to deal with what we see as complicated emotional situations. That's the approach I like to take. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned there is that we, we... we tend to complicate things that do not need to be complicated. And, right. and, um, and again, I, I believe that you've been watching over me because that's exactly <laughs> like the, the, the thing, one of the most important things is not just filling your plate too quickly. And just the one thing you mentioned, the one thing. And that's why I, I, I focused on the, the time of day that I ate. I cut nothing else out of I didn't start working out. I didn't start running. Mm-hmm. I just cut when was the last time of the day I can eat. Because your body does need to acclimate a little bit. It does. Once If I would have done that and be like, hey, I'm going to go to the gym at night, like my body yep. would have hated me <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, exactly. But but once you – and I, I want to throw something on, and I know I'm, I'm not the guest, but I do want to throw something on about the emotional eating part of it is that people will say – like people have already heard – drink a glass of water before you eat like it it does work though like it does work mm-hmm. water is so good and none of us get enough of it i know i need to drink a little bit more now and what you said about motivation a lot of us crave it a lot of us look for it a lot of us i need to feel motivated I, i'm just not motivated today well the gym is still there. Like it's still, it didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like it's Mm -hmm. like the weights are still there. The resistance bands are still there. Your walking shoes are still there. Like they don't need motivation. And one thing I I definitely want you to talk about is the moment. And I I just thought about this and I think it's a, a, a good thing for anybody who wants to become a coach or is in this space. Like the moment that person you're working with starts to get that discipline and they may show up you know five minutes early or they may show up and and they're already warmed up and ready to go and 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 they're asking you for more like the moment that person gets you see that discipline has grown in them like what is that feeling like for you oh man and that and that can happen that can happen a weekend and it can happen three months in, you know, it really right, yeah. depends on the client. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's where 
I think I think as a coach, I can help someone get to that point sooner, right? Especially if they struggle with it. So meaning that they're if they're already in a train of thought of I am this and I have been this and I fail at this, as opposed to um, you know, I'm the person who trains every day and I'm the person who eats well and all, all that. I see it in their weekly check-ins. I see it when they reach out for me with questions and they say, well, I didn't do this because of this, right? I hear the excuses. I hear all these things. Now, fortunately, they have me as a support structure, which you can have in your life, even if it's not a coach who says, all right, fine, you did that. That's in the past. What are we going to do going forward? And why did that happen? And let's diagnose it and, and change that. And then you ask me how I feel. So I feel, uh, I guess, vindicated, satisfied, and and proud, right? On behalf of my client, when they all of a sudden, two or three weeks in a row say, well, yep, I was consistent again with my protein. And, and it almost becomes boring, which I want to see. I wa- yeah, Just right. today, I did, a, I did a check-in today and a client said, I feel like a broken record, but my wins are, I'm consistent with this, 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 this. And I'm like, good. I'm like, that's we want things to be so boring that you don't even think about them because they're just ingrained in your life, right? <laughs> so yeah, that, I, that's how I I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with being practical, pragmatic, sticking to a schedule. That's That consistency is, is how you know, it's how bodies are made. It's how, you know, dreams are, are achieved That that consistency. So that is, that is great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So Philip, how do people learn more about you online? What's your social media? How can they just see your progress and, and, and how you help people? Yeah. You guys are listening to Mark's amazing podcast right now. So go and follow my podcast in your app, Wits and Weights. Takes two seconds, Wits and Weights. We have a lot of great interviews, just like you're doing here, but I also do solo episodes. So if you're kind of in an educational mindset, you can find specific episodes where I walk you through like, okay, you have to lose 30 pounds. What would I take a client through to do that so you can do it yourself? So Wits and Weights, and then go to my website, like you said, witsandweights.com. On the homepage, if you put in your email, you'll get a free ultimate macros guide, which is like 40 pages all about macros, how to calculate them, what they're all about. And I might actually be signing up for that because because <laughs> uh, um, you can I, reach out to me personally, I, man. There we, you go. We, we've I, got a connection here. It's I all appreciate good. that. Yeah. And, and I'm always because I'll be honest with you, like I'm I'm never going to get into a place where I think I know everything. Like I want to continually yeah, learn and stay in that growth mindset. Um, but everybody, we will have a link to Philip's website, witsandweights.com. And in case you wanted to know, like it's not just. It's not just a random word. It's like wits actually stands for something. And the W is wanted. I is ignite change. T is transform your body. And S is sustain your results. So guys, go check it out. Philip has been a great guest. And please subscribe to his podcast. Philip, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great work, educating the people, and you have a great rest of your day. Much respect. Thanks for having me on, Mark. I really appreciated it. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AMRun 
to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.